right, we are live. Cool, cool. So yeah, let's start there. Uh, as mm -hmm. someone who is sort of just getting into writing, mm -hmm. how what is that bringing out of you? How how is that helping your spiritual practice? Yeah. So um, for years, I've spent uh, most of my time just reading. To be honest, <laughs> you know, reading other people's books, reading other people's ideologies, philosophies, um, and just reading up on like. Uh, you know things that are like of the mind or spiritually um stuff like that um but i never thought of writing it something deep inside me was really telling me like hey you should really like, put your own thoughts on paper and like you know you can really help other people with your writing um but i guess it never really like clicked clicked with me or i never really committed committed to it until i joined dan's modern mastery where he was really like promoting uh big on writing down your thoughts, writing down your ideas, you know, turning your interest into a business. Um, that's when I really started to like sit and think like, oh, maybe I should like start writing some of these things down. And then when I started writing things down, um, I, I, I don't know about other people, but it just made me like, it just gave me the biggest dopamine rush. Like, mm -hmm. damn, like, hell yeah, I'm finally putting down like the content that I've been wanting to see myself. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, I spent the past decade trying to figure, like, reading up on all this stuff, trying to figure all this stuff out, just life in general, the human experience. Um, and now now it's just at the point where it's like, okay, now I'm living it. Uh, and I guess if I, were to, if I were to look back at myself, like, 10 years ago, like, I would have loved having this sort of material that I'm writing now um, back then. You know what I mean? So Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but in terms of writing – it's it's sticky it's it's a lot more difficult than i thought it would be i thought it would just be like yo put a couple ideas down on paper and then um because i just i did like a mental throw up when i when i learned about dan's form of like brain dumping or like uh setting up a queue to like 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 harvest not harvest but like um take an idea and then elaborate further into it uh doing those sort of brainstorming exercises uh just really I don't know how else to say it, but like really structured my mind. Like mm -hmm. it was just an absolute shitstorm in that too. Just like idea, 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 idea. And it's just like, but none of them connected. None of them, uh, like I still had to make sense of them. Like I understood what these words meant, but if someone were to like come look at this list and be like, what the fuck is all this? You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, I still had like my, my entire mental space is a complete mess, absolute chaos. And writing is just like, honestly put a lot of order into that uh, make me see my th my thoughts uh in the most clear form possible it does take time it's not instant but um seeing my thoughts laid out like that in like crystal clear english you know on paper was just incredible yeah i think writing is an excellent tool for i mean self-conquest that's kind mm -hmm. of that concept that i talked about with you like a week ago whenever we hung out before and, mm -hmm. you know, I was coming up with my pyramid of self-conquest, which is now the tetrad of self-conquest. Because yeah. And that's been, that was actually really helpful for, for, for me, you know, chatting mm -hmm. that out with you. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, writing, I think, is one of the, the greatest avenues for me to build mm -hmm. myself and, and to go out and to conquer that wilderness. You know, that, yeah. that stuff that's outside of me that is shaping me you know, and mm -hmm. to sort of explore it and, you know, colonize it and integrate it basically. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, expand my consciousness to include more of 
what's out there and, and, and recognize it as part of me. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And yeah, writing definitely helps me do that. The act of writing, mm -hmm. like simply sitting there. So I do two things. I journal every day. Mm -hmm. And that is very helpful for me. And some the the physicality of actually writing my thoughts out. Mm -hmm. It's like a different way of thinking. You know, it's like thinking with my body almost, mm -hmm. which I find very helpful. Uh, and what I do in my journal is I kind of set intentions for myself. I, mm -hmm. you know, some people kind of you know, go over their day and stuff like that. I don't really do it mm -hmm. that way. I do it more like teaching myself lessons and like uh -huh, setting I my see. focus for the day. And so mm -hmm. when my body is actively writing down like what I'm trying to focus on, that has mm -hmm. been very, very helpful for me. Oh, and then going going back and reading my journal mm -hmm. is also very helpful for me and yeah yeah going I, back is always just like the what the fuck factor it's like um uh i guess just to add on to what you were saying is like um i was i was actually talking to, to a friend about this recently it's like we're taking these abstract ideas that aren't anything really and then we're like we're fleshing it out we're making it we're making it real by putting it down on paper so writing it it's just like it may be swimming in our thoughts like over and over and over again, but until we see it on paper, it's, it, it doesn't feel real until it's on paper. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, you're really like, like fleshing out like, Oh, this part, like this part. And then you can start like, um, when you see it down on paper, then you can start making sense of sense of it all. You know what I mean? Cause thoughts can be random. Thoughts can come out of nowhere. And it's just like, Oh, but this thought that I was thinking last week, uh, you know, can relate to something that I did today. You know what I mean? Just like, you may, you're able to like see the connection and then make the connection. Yeah. I think it's taking, it's like pulling the lessons from your self-conscious into the conscious world. I think writing mm -hmm. really helps yeah. you do that. Yeah. And, I like that. Cool. and um, you know, whether it's fit, you know, with my journal and then, you know, when I write like my newsletter and, you know, lessons from the material that I'm reading, for the intent of like sharing it with other people that's like a mm -hmm. different type of writing and it's also very helpful to me mm -hmm. and yeah, now sure. as someone who's also writing fiction like mm -hmm. turning these abstract concepts into stories mm -hmm. also stretches me in a new way that helps me understand them even better mm -hmm. and now it yeah. kind of creates the cycle of like what i'm journaling about is trickling into my newsletter what i'm writing a newsletter about is feeding into my fiction and what mm. i'm writing fiction about is feeding into my journal and then mm. and then it not only it's not just a loop though you know it goes from it goes backwards too. you know what i'm writing mm -hmm. fiction about is going into my newsletter and it kind of you know it goes all ways yeah uh, and yeah it's writing like like an ecosystem going on okay. yeah and it wasn't something i built intentionally it's just sort of happening mm. uh and, oh, that's very cool. Yeah. And I mean, I find that the same thing happens with, or I mean, not the same, but a similar thing happens with reading. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, after college, I kind of stopped reading. I got oh, interesting. burnt okay. out. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's partly because when you are reading stuff that you're told to read, because mm -hmm. you're supposed to read it. Mm -hmm. It is 
a, a fundamentally different experience than reading things that you've chosen because you want to read them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so yeah. Oh, just, I, I think I lost that capacity for focus for several years mm. and I mm -hmm. kind of, over the last two years, I had to retrain my, my focus muscle uh, mm. by, you know, I mean, coming to social media and then like reading cap, like reading the actual captions instead of just like scrolling through photos. And then mm -hmm. you know, that's like the lowest level of it. But then I got into reading articles on like medium and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, that really started pulling me back into just reading as like a form of self exploration and of self expansion. And like Absolutely. now mm -hmm. I'm reading books every day, like I was when I was younger. And mm -hmm. like that, it's like supercharging my personal growth. You know, it's like exponential mm -hmm. now. Absolutely, um, yeah. It's 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 so weird because um I actually had the had the opposite experience where uh, it wasn't until I left college, until I left the formal like system where I was just like, um you know maybe I should pick up a book. <laughs> yeah, should, it's like it's like um I guess a little bit about of, of my background is when I when I first started this journey and before I even started reading anything, um I was kicked out of school academically suspended. I had like a one point three GPA. I just honestly never went to class. Right. Um, I was working a dead end job, working at Seven Eleven, a gas station. Um, this, I mean, obviously, this is like decade, a decade, decade ago. But um, and then uh, just all, and then my life was just hitting rock bottom, just going absolutely nowhere. You know what I mean? Um, it was it was around that time where I was where I really thought like, oh, you know, all these things are happening because of myself. You know what I mean? I I can't blame other people for my circumstances. I can't, you know. Uh, I can't blame other people if they, they decide like, oh, I'm some, some some sort of like scumbag or whatever, right? Or they don't like me anymore or whatever. Um, I can't control those things. It's like, but I, it, but obviously I did something to affect those other people to make them feel that way, right? So I, I really went into like a hyper introspection mode. It was just like, okay, well, who am I? What am I? What is this like living thing? Like what, you know, uh, Things, you know, the normal questions, what's life, what's the purpose, you know, uh, I even had like a very specific moment um, where I, this is like this, and this story is like, it was a moment where I, I felt like I awakened consciousness uh, or became more self-aware of myself. It was, um, I was working, I was working at a job with one of my friends and at this point it was just literally like rock bottom. I thought my life was just absolute shit. There's nothing better here, whatever. And he was just like, all right, well, bro, let's just let's smoke some weed. Da -da 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 -da. And I was like, fuck it. You know, my life already sucks anyways. Like, fuck it, let's smoke some weed. And so I was doing that uh, just after every, like after work, uh, when we had the chance, we just go out, smoke some weed, play some games, do whatever. And then one night I went home and it was like, I mean, it was like nine o'clock at night, already pitch dark, right? It's like lightly raining whatever and then i'm high as hell and i'm driving home and i'm just like hell yeah whatever you know yeah. just along. <laughs> and then I, I had an itch on my neck so i scratched this itch and then uh and then i really felt the itch i, I really felt the scratch i was like damn man i scratched myself really hard you know what i mean mm -hmm. and then for the first and this sounds super stupid but for the first time ever i like i heard the voice in my head and i was mm -hmm. like wait a minute there's a voice inside my head 
where I, when I'm not talking, like it's still going. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. this voice in there. What the fuck is that? And that <laughs> ever since I asked myself that question that night, it's like, yo, what is the fuck is that voice inside my head? Like what the fuck? Like what? Mm-hmm. Is, that's when I really started going deep into like consciousness, the mind, and just trying to figure out as much as I can about it. And um, and that's I think that's what really got me into books. It's just like trying to figure out what the fuck that was, you know. So. Yeah, I I actually love that you brought that up because I don't know exactly when I noticed this, but I do remember what it felt like to realize that like my thoughts mm-hmm. had a voice like in, yeah. inside my head, not something that I like I'm physically hearing with my ears, but exactly. I'm hearing it on some sort of a different level. But it, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's these thoughts. And so, like, when I'm thinking about myself or when I'm mm-hmm. thinking about other people or even, like, when I'm reading a book, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's my voice is essentially narrating the Correct. book to yep. me. Mm-hmm. And yep. that same voice is narrating everything in my world that I think about. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's telling me like if I see the color red mm-hmm. and I think about seeing the color red, then I, I think the word red in my, in my voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was probably the result of uh, just the self examination that we did in college. Cause I was in, I studied communication and it was a very, we spent a lot of time, exploring how humans make things mean things Mm -hmm. yeah symbolism Mm -hmm. yeah it was a very sort of introspective type of discipline uh Mm -hmm. and it was a very theoretical course of study it wasn't like mass communications like i wasn't studying like media specifically Mm -hmm. or like or like platform rules or anything i wasn't studying like i wasn't really studying skills i was studying like like the theory of uh, communication yeah it was basically communication theory mm. um, but yeah i do remember having that realization mm-hmm. that my thoughts were like a voice inside of my head mm-hmm. and realizing that that was significant but i'll be honest i haven't as much like exploration and stuff as I have done now, especially over the last two years, I still really haven't explored that, you know, Mm -hmm. the the consciousness as like a voice that speaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is interesting that like the early, I'm thinking specifically the Bible, you know, speaking the world into existence and like Mm -hmm. even in the gospels, like, logos like word being like speech like mm-hmm. creation is something that can only exist and be perceived if you think about it and if you aren't actively thinking about like creation mm-hmm. it kind of ceases to exist um maybe i don't I know would... I would say we don't really have to be conscious that we're creating more as it's very natural for us to create and destroy things, if that makes sense, or preserve or even preserve. That's like, um, that's actually uh, a value in like the oldest religion in the world, Hinduism, right? Where they had Brahma, the creator, 
uh, Shiva the Destroyer, and then I think it's Vishnu, Vishnu the Preserver. Um, this is, and this is like the oldest, oldest of um, of religions, uh, spirituality in general, is that they notice the cycle of creation, destruction, and and uh, preservation. Um, so uh, it's it's not that we have to be consciously aware of it, aware of it. It's just something that we would naturally do, if that makes sense. Yeah, it kind of just happens. It's like that. It's like that perfect intersection of like activity and passivity, you know, right mm -hmm. in the middle. It's, it's both things. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really think you can have just one or the other. Because no, yeah, they, they, both, have, they, they need, both must exist. Yeah. yeah. And they need each other to mm -hmm. exist. Like, mm -hmm. against what can you define passivity other than activity? Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Like, there's no, like, <laughs> to measure it, you have to measure it against something else. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, I for, did you say you had read the Kabbalion? Oh yes. Uh, let me see if I, I. Yeah, I have my own copy right here. Yeah, I have the same one. Yeah, I just finished it like a like a week. I think a few days after you and I chatted. Oh uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, it was. Super. I'm gonna to need to read it again, though, probably several times mm -hmm. to really let it sink yeah, in. It is dense. It is dense. I will say, um, in order to like really understand, like, I feel like the only reason why I was able to make uh, some sense of what it was trying to say was mostly because I was able to compare it to other like other religions, other philosophies, where they would say similar things, and it's just like, oh, like this is this kind of relates to that, you know. So let me give you an example. Um, in in Taoism, uh. They have, you're obviously, everybody knows the yin-yang symbol, that circle with the two dots in the middle. Um, one is a positive force, one's a negative force. I mean, it's not good or bad. It's just, it is what it is. It's like, you can't have up without a down. You can't have mm -hmm. right without a left. Um, there's this es essence of duality. And uh, they, have that, they have this concept in Taoism, but they also have this co the concept in the Kaibalian, which was um, the law of polarity, where mm -hmm. they were just saying like, oh, everything like at its core, it, it is what it is. So like, uh, let's say, let's, let's talk about like hot and cold. What do we determine is hot and cold? Well, it's all the same. It's all temperature. It's all like the same thing, but it's just on a different spectrum. It's all on like a different spectrum, right? It's on a, a, a positive or a negative spectrum. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, mm -hmm. so uh, um, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. It was just um, there that in, in all, in all things that are true, um, you're going to find a duality within it. Um, so you can't be like, oh, what's, what's, like, uh, the, what's the opposite of a, of a ruler or what's the opposite of a book? Well, those aren't like, you know, <laughs> it's like um, you could say the age of a book is just like uh, on a spectrum, but it's not, uh, those aren't true, true inherently. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it does it's a make very sense. It is a very difficult concept to, to grasp over. So, yeah, I think it, so the, the, the polarity of things mm -hmm. is it's also something we discussed in communication more with like abnormalities in, yeah. uh, in human experience. So things like autism, for mm -hmm. example, yeah, on a spectrum, yeah, is, is on a spectrum and it's the qualities that like in combination we might call autism mm -hmm. are present in everyone. And it's just uh, the, the question is, to what degree are they expressed? Uh, right, right. And mm -hmm. then other things that we discussed as being essentially on a polarity were 
like masculinity and femininity, like gender, we discussed yes, as being absolutely. on a polarity. And it's interesting mm -hmm. because we were discussing these things in kind of a social scientific like, context, like all mm. of these ancient, uh, kind of almost religious ideas we were discussing as if we had discovered them the first time scientifically. And mm. uh, I mean, they stuff like this gets, does often get rejected, uh, you know, thinking of gender as non-binary but i think it inherently kind of is you know and another thing we did in communication at my, in in my studies which i also saw in the cabalion was mm -hmm. we didn't really look at masculinity and femininity as inherently like physical things mm -hmm. uh, and we often sort of used those terms interchangeably with dominance and submissiveness Mm -hmm. yeah. and and those are qualities that i all that i did study when i was studying leadership as well i took a few classes in leadership and i was also involved in like some organizations where mm -hmm. you know i was being mentored in leadership and uh, nice. yeah. and, nice. and and i read some books on it you know especially like simon sinek writes a lot about it mm -hmm. uh, but dominance and submission are kind of the game that you play as a leader as mm -hmm. well. And contrary to what people might think at a glance, like a, a truly good, skilled and talented leader is also a skilled follower. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. If, if mm -hmm. you can't relate to following and if you mm -hmm. are incapable of following and participating in a system together with other individuals, then mm -hmm. I'm fully of the opinion that you really can't lead. Like if you right. are too individualistic, too dominant, mm -hmm. you really can't lead people because you can't tolerate the kind of the deviations that are going mm -hmm. to happen in the people that you're trying to lead. Yeah. So uh, actually, it's, it's it's really cool that you bring this up because leadership was also like part of the the spiritual journey, like that I also ended up in. It's like um, the importance of leadership. It's like we need people to uh, start things, be go getters. It's it's like uh, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, uh, you know, Steve Jobs. They all started something that was so against the grain, so against like the public opinion. Um, that it, it that it just it changed life as we know it right it's like um, smartphones like apple iphones were like the start of it right um but i will say uh in terms of leadership uh you have like what you were saying was was right you have to be able to like be a part of the group like you're, you're not a group because like you're not a leader because you you know you're put into the role and now you're just so high on power that, you know, only your word matters. Right. That's like, that's, that's definitely failed leadership. Um, effective leadership is going to have that level of empathy is going to have that level of like, Oh, if I need to get into the, if I need to get, uh, what is, what's the, what's the word for it? Like boots on the ground. If I need mm -hmm. to go into the trenches with my team, then I'll be there with them. Mm -hmm. um, that style of leadership is, is definitely, uh, I don't want to say it's more effective because uh, honestly, if you're an asshole, um, if you, if you're demanding, if you're very like, you know, assertive and uh, other people are just uh, following you, uh, 
either through uh, a previous connection or whatever, right? You have mm -hmm. some sort of connection with this leader or you're forced to follow this leader. Um, being an asshole is, is a lot more effective. Um, I'm not gonna lie, it's gonna get, it's gonna get more stuff done uh, immediately. Um, as for whether it's gonna stick around long-term, uh, that's that's probably where you're gonna see a lot of it fail. It's like if you see some high on power leaders sniffing their own farts or whatever, you know, right. um, they're yeah, they can be effective and they may get results like instantly or quicker than the guy who's empathetic. But right. uh, it, it's not lasting. It won't last. There's gonna be a coup. There's gonna be some sort of you know revolution. <laughs> it's gonna be like the, the people are gonna turn against them eventually. If he keeps up that negative, harsh, hard-ass attitude, you know. And you saw this unfold in several, I mean, basically every ancient empire, but both mm -hmm. the Romans and the Mongols both actually were, especially when they were building their empires, mm -hmm. are good examples of this. Uh, you know, very, I mean, you know, fear-based conquest, but Absolutely. gentle-ish leadership uh mm -hmm. both of them allowed like uh, once you once you bend the knee they mm -hmm. allow you to keep your gods you know they integrate your gods into their pantheon they allow you mm -hmm. to pretty much keep your way of life you just pay taxes to them pay taxes exactly and, pay, uh, pay taxes. give us the money <laughs> yeah yep. and so it was this tension between like if they had been too dominant and come in mm -hmm. there and said like you are either going to give up every aspect of yourself or we're going to mm -hmm. kill you. They would have had mm -hmm. no one to lead. Everyone would have fought them to the bitter end. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but because of that, you know, that balancing act between dominance and submissiveness, you know, that's what allowed these empires to grow so greatly. And both of mm -hmm. them, you see start to decline once the leadership often it's a generational thing, you know, once too yep. much distance gets between like the good leader and mm -hmm. the successors, uh, yep. the successors who just sort of inherit the power and don't earn it yep. often don't know what they don't know how to use it properly. And Not that's where it crumbles. Not and, at all. Uh, mm -hmm. even, yeah, in the, you, even in the Roman empire, um, I, I'm sorry if I cut you off. Did you No, it's good. Yeah, um, yeah. Even in the Roman Empire, I was actually just like watching something about that recently because I've been I've been setting up about um, Jesus in the early days and whatever. Um, the Roman Empire, they even had rulers or emperors where they were fifteen years old and mm -hmm. incredibly highly emotional. Was not able to control their temper. Was not able to control their emotions. Was not level headed. Um, and these people, they would just let them rule the empire. It's just like imagine some snot nosed fifteen year old kid. He knows everything, but he doesn't know anything. And he's just like, yo, this, that, this, that, just do this, do that. And they're like, all right, we'll listen to you. But it's like he has no idea what his actions actually like produce. Does that make sense? Right. And I mean, yeah. we see that unfold in fiction in like, especially in like Game of Thrones, uh, mm -hmm. if you watched it. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. and something similar happened in china too to my understanding although also mm -hmm. quite different um they would appoint children to become the emperor and then kind of the courtesans and the uh and the advisors would sort of like there was a power tension between them mm -hmm. um and then something similar i think also happened in like in the ancient indian empire of 
Vijayanagara. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know enough about Eastern history to, to speak authoritatively on any of it. But yeah, you see that happen often. I mean, you even kind of see it unfolding now in the United States, you know, yeah. as, uh, as we get farther and farther away from the founding of the country, you know, now the people who are like making policies and making decisions for the, the rest of the people are, mm-hmm. just, I think, completely disconnected from the populace. Whereas you see yeah. like in great leaders, especially like Marcus Aurelius was the last of a line of five great emperors in Rome. And he's mm-hmm. the guy, meditations, you know, he's one of the main guys for when it comes stoicism. to stoic ethics. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially like stoic ethics and like stoicism in practice. He's like the prime example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like that was, I mean, it was trained in him like he he learned that he he didn't inherit the throne mm-hmm. he he was appointed to it by oh. by mm-hmm. the previous empire or by the previous mm-hmm. emperor who had recognized in him the qualities of a good emperor which i think included his honesty his nickname was the most truthful oh that's uh, pretty cool mm-hmm. and uh you know humility and mm. and what was fascinating about Marcus Aurelius is that he didn't really want to be the emperor. It mm-hmm. was just kind of thrust on him. He wanted yeah. to be a philosopher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, what un- unfortunately happened is that Marcus Aurelius's son in- inherited it from him. And mm. Marcus Aurelius's son was a douche. And he, it, so the, the power transitioned from one of the best emperors of, of any empire in history mm-hmm. to one of the worst. Yeah. And yeah. It, was, it was because of these stupid ideas about succession that we get, I think, when we are too focused on, on, like, on the physical world of like, power and family and legacy like mm-hmm. passing yeah. the the legacy of the roman empire down to your son is like that's like what you were supposed to do but that wasn't mm-hmm. really what was effective you know what would have been more effective was finding exactly. someone else yeah but then pride gets in the way then it's like oh if i don't pass it down to my son and i appoint it to somebody else there's guaranteed to be a war mm-hmm. you know stuff like that so yeah internal should, feuds stuff like that yeah. yeah this shit is hard this shit is hard being oh yeah I, i've been yeah, pondering on it lately easy, for sure. mm-hmm. um like i've been spending a lot of time studying up on philosophy spirituality like really diving into it and mm-hmm. i think it's challenging but it's not like difficult uh, if that makes sense to mm-hmm. apply it to yourself and to your mm-hmm. own life yeah, um, yeah, but trying to apply it to, particularly to government, I think is incredibly difficult, if not impossible. Yeah, it it is. Um, mostly because, uh, religion, religion specifically, is like, at, at the most like, superficial way you can view religion, it's just like a moral system. It's like a moral and value system. It's like no matter what religion you enter, it's going to have a set of beliefs, a set of like 
uh, you know, what's good and what's bad. And we're going to like, and, and people, they're going to address it for you. It's like for Christianity, they have the Ten Commandments. Don't kill. Don't sleep with another man's wife. Don't steal. Stuff, you know, stuff like that. That it's just like, it seems obvious, but unless it's like a rule that people follow by, like, for themselves it's like because even as a kid you can be like oh hey you know johnny don't don't steal it's bad it's bad it's not good to steal and then if but it's still up to that individual as to whether they want to like accept that value or not or accept that like belief or not does that make sense it's like oh why would i have to why, why do i care if that stealing's bad if it doesn't fucking matter or i'm stealing from like a billion dollar corporation they won't miss it it's like um they, one, they don't realize that that's a seed for like uh, something even worse in the future. <laughs> right. But um, the second, it's like, but that's what religions are. They're just like a value system. Islam mm. has a lot of values. Don't eat pork. You know, it's like, uh, you know, worship God. You have to be facing this direction in order to worship God this time of day. It's like, mm. uh, it's like rules that you, that you kind of want to follow uh, for yourself, right? Um, I guess it, it's because of that, like that religion shares morals and values um, that differ between every single one of us, by the way, um, that we can't put it in like a government level. It's like um, people, I mean, there are people, uh, countries in the world that do that, where it's just like, you have to believe this specific religion or you're not part of our country. It's like, that's one of the biggest things about the United States, right? It's like freedom to believe whatever you want at all, period. Right. It's just like freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of thought. It's like, um, you can have any combinations of belief you want. And obviously this applies to a lot of places in the world nowadays. Um, but a big thing about our creation was that like, hey, we don't have to like have a monarchy. We don't have to have like, you know, we don't all have to be Christian or you're going to get prosecuted. We don't all have to be Muslim or you're prosecuted type stuff, you know. Um, we don't have any of that. It's like uh, religion, religion and uh, government are too like, how do I say this? It's like... Uh, if spirituality is the invisibleness of the world, like things that we can't see, our feelings, our thoughts, or what, or whatever, uh, government is like the definition of how do we like is like the reality of the world. The government is like how do we control this mass of people in a group of body where it's not going to go into shit and chaos, right? And right. Yeah. It's, it's and uh, two two kind of opposites, really. Yeah, that's that kind of how I feel. I've kind of been noticing something similar. I don't quite know where the like the dividing line is. And I mean, technically there wouldn't be one, but mm -hmm. that's something I just finished the Hagakure, uh, or however you say it, the, the art of the samurai basically by Yamamoto Sunitomo. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've read the art of war before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those are very, like, when it comes to navigating those, those are philosophies for navigating the animal world, basically mm -hmm. like the, it's it, the jungle, which we do exist mm -hmm. in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, even even today, even today, yeah, it exists. Mm -hmm. And that I think is where stuff like government is like comes into play. There's people that say that government is essentially a monopoly on violence, and I'd say that's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure. How would you a monopoly on violence? So whereas like corporations and stuff, they might create monopolies of different ty types of resources what it mm. is that the government owns is violence how and when it can be applied like how and when can you 
shoot someone with a gun or a taser mm-hmm. how and when can you electrocute someone to death in a mm-hmm. chair um mm-hmm. How and when can you force someone to stay in a small room for several years at a time mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that? You know, and that is essentially the only entity, the only organization that can make those rules and control that is the government. And so that's where people oh, say it's, what you mean. Oh, it's what like, you mean. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. If not violence, then a monopoly on, on force. It's 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 a lot of self interest. Um, so uh, every every country in the world is going to operate on self interest. Like they don't care how other countries operate. They don't care how other countries do things. They want to make sure that their whatever their country is either stays there, like it's preserved and it's not attacked and it's just you know at peace, or they're going to do things to advance their own self interest. So a big thing like. Russia, for example, invading Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's it's all Russia's self-interest. They're thinking like, oh, how would this benefit Russia? How would this benefit, you know, um, ourselves as a country? And that's what the leaders of the country are, are pretty much like talking about and how they can advance themselves. It's always a selfish thing. It's never, right. like, as much as we want to see the world as like, oh, we're allies, we're here to help each other, we're here to help each other advance and grow and, you know, become one unified nation. Um, it's actually, in reality, it's not like that. Everyone is always, always, always after their own self-interest. It's like, if, if America has to step on Canada's toes to get what America wants, we'll probably do it. And vice versa, right? It doesn't matter what two countries we're talking about. If they right. have to step on somebody in order to get what they, they want and what they need, they'll do it. Uh, and that goes for every single country in the world. Otherwise, they wouldn't really like, be successful, if that makes right. sense. And I think that's where propaganda comes in. Because propaganda, I mean, propaganda is basically just marketing tactics applied to politics. Mm-hmm. And propaganda, what, what it does is it convinces the population that what's best for the leadership is best for the populace. Mm-hmm. So, for, for example, with like Russia, like what Russian state-controlled media does is it said like so Putin wants to invade Ukraine mm-hmm. and since yep. Putin controls the media there then the media runs it's essentially propaganda Russia. to tell and to convince the population of Russia that what is good for Putin is good for all of them and it mm-hmm. works because they their exposure to information is so tightly controlled that they can't they don't really get the opportunity to explore other perspectives. Yeah. And that's where I think, I think things like philosophy and spirituality arm you against control. And I think that's why they're so important. I think that's why it is important to read these ancient texts, texts from all over the world. Like, I Mm -hmm. think it is important to read the Quran. Like if you want to understand what's happening inside, like, state-controlled islamic countries Mm -hmm. start by reading the quran start there Mm -hmm. to find out like what's what's in there what are these people consuming and Mm -hmm. and then then you can get your your mind in there and start to see things from their perspective it's like i always talk about with the elephant parable like Mm -hmm. the guy standing in front of the elephant's trunk and saying like this is a snake this is a snake don't you understand Mm -hmm. until you hang out with that guy 
and talk to him, you can't understand why it is that he thinks the elephant is a snake. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And that's where I think it's so important to talk to each other, to like to have conversations, to reach across these these invisible fences that we draw with in our ideologies and Mm -hmm. on even borders, you know, across connected land masses and seas, you know, we have to, we have to reach across these things or we will descend into back into the jungle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I, I want to discuss like Lao Tzu's like Taoist perspective on government. Can sure. You, can you talk about some of that? And also, have you studied Confucius as well? Um, I have not. Uh, honestly, even even Lao Tzu and um, the Tao Te Ching. Um, honestly, I, I as much as like I taught the the concepts of those, a lot of my a lot of my teachings were more just like word of mouth. It was more like, um, uh, in terms of like uh, Taoism and how they ruled. So, uh, a long long time ago uh, in China, there was an era called. I, don't, I forgot what it was called, but it was it was ruled by uh, this guy. They called him the Yellow Emperor, right? Um, the the Yellow Emperor had like a, a whole round of advisors. Like, obviously, you're gonna have like, yo, like what what's this? What's that? You know, people that actually understood life. And um, these the Taoists were actually like very profound in their uh, in their understanding of life. So it actually had a lot to do with like the energies in our body. Um, about how like things like a lot of our uh, a lot of our energy a lot of the, the energy that keeps us awake it keeps us like vitalized and it keeps us like you know alert is actually comes from uh, our sexual energy zone. So if I if I would just stand up here real, real quick, um, so there's the the top half of our body and then there's this lower half of the body um, around where your belly button is. Yeah, my bad. I'm not that around where your belly button is. Yeah. Around the lower area right here is actually like your, your sexual energy zone, but it's also like uh it's also where people call uh would say it's like your gut instinct. It's like uh the Taoists call it the, the bio battery. So like a lot of like our life force, a lot of like who we are uh in terms of like energy comes from that sexual energy zone. Um so what Taoists would would figure it's like the Emperor would ask questions like you know, like, oh, you know, I want to have a trillion kids. Like, how many times can I ejaculate or whatever? And then the Dallas would be like, oh, well, we know that it produces X, Y, Z. And they have this whole, like, system of, like, uh, when, when to, like, and this this is a little off the, a little strange, but they would go off, like, um, like, oh, how often you, you can ejaculate before you're, like, you're losing your life energy. It's like, yeah, you can have, like, a hundred some kids with a hundred some women, but your life force energy, but you're going to die at like 45. Like you're, you're, you're literally spitting out your life force energy, like consistently. It's not, it's not like good for you. You know what I mean? It's not right. good for your brain, uh, good for your brain energy. Um, because, uh, and, and I'm going, I'm way too advanced right now, but. <laughs> no, this uh, is where I, I wanted to kind of get mm-hmm. into this for the podcast. So this is great. Yeah. So, um, so what you want to do with your sexual energy? So, uh, uh, and this is and this is a mistake. Uh, I don't want to say a mistake. Excuse me. <laughs> um, but a lot of men they get caught up in, in, especially the Western world, like a lot of pornography, a lot mm-hmm. of like ejaculation, a lot of like you know, you're you're spilling your seed out into the world for no purpose. You're not making babies, whatever, right? Um, and then it's uh, or or you can just be having like way too much sex where you're just like you know 
a lot of your sexual energy is leaving your body. What the Dallas found out was that one, you can grow this grow this energy zone. Uh, it's called in, in Dallas, it's called the Dantian, right? The, the area just below your belly button. If you breathe into it, breathe out of it, uh, it's it's honestly where most of your energy comes from. It's it's where it's what keeps you awake. It's what keeps you. If you just keep growing this energy, um, it can expand to something very like like vitality for us almost. So what Dallas learned how to do is take that sexual energy and cycle it throughout the body. It's like it's like a it's like a circle. It's like if I were to like <laughs> there's a there's a front channel and a back channel, right? So you get you bring the energy up. Go everything is connected to the spine, by the way. So you connect all the energy up. You bring it up. You bring it to the top of your head, out to the to the front channel, down. Uh, so it's funny because um, the energy is uh, in order to complete the energy cycle. Um, your tongue has to be at the, the roof of your mouth. I don't know if you've heard of like mewing or something like that. I have actually. It was very helpful to me with my sinuses, and I've been yeah. It's, and that's because you're you're actually connecting your energies your energy zone. So it's like like you put your, your tongue right behind your teeth, the roof, the roof of your mouth, mm -hmm. and it's connecting the energy center. So it's like now the energy can, when I put my tongue at the roof of my mouth, the energy can now start flowing down through the front channel, through the external, down again, up and it's a circle in a circle. So it's like you're taking your sexual energy, bringing it up to the brain, so it revitalizes your brain. You're more alert. You're more. You have more senses. You're, you're you know, you're more consciously in, like in control of yourself. You know what I mean? You don't feel lazy. You don't feel lethargic. You don't feel whatever. Um, because, you know, you're working on this, these energies. Um, and then what was, what was I saying? So, so yeah, uh, they bring up the energy. Uh, they learned how to like harness your sexual energy, bring it up, revitalize the brain and make sure you don't keep your energy up in your brain. You, you, like, People get, uh, this is where people go a little bit crazy. It's, and this is also uh, a trap that a lot of like newbie spiritualists like fall for is the crazy phase. And even I had a crazy phase where it's just like, man, this guy is fucking nuts. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck are you even talking about? Um, that's because if you keep too much energy in the brain, um, the, the crown of your head is actually like a spiritual center. It's like your connection to the source, your connection to like, um, the universe, everything, the self comes from the, the, the top of your skull, right? If you keep the energy there for too long, your brain is going to fry the fuck out. This is where people start going loony, fucking nuts. You're like, yo, this guy's fucking crazy. You know what I mean? You have to be able to bring that energy down back into the sexual energy. So you keep recycling the energy like that. And that's, uh, that's how the Taoists would see like vitality. And um, in terms of like how they would influence government, well, the yellow emperor would always go up to you know the Taoist master and be like, well, what about this? What about that? And he would always be like an advisor to the emperor. So going full circle as to like going back to how Taoism related to government. Yeah, no, I like that. And it kind of brings an idea to my mind, like if a person is physically like very unhealthy, mm -hmm. would you say perhaps their capacity for leadership could be diminished? Uh, no. I, I mean, I've seen very successful, like, successful, like, assertive people um, be in terrible health. Like, just yeah. either drinking all the time, smoking all the time, not caring about food they're putting in their body. Like, 
I mean, yeah. our, and our I health think, doesn't really affect our success. Yeah, that question, I think, comes across wrong, too, because I'm not trying to insinuate that, like, disabilities should disqualify <laughs> you from leadership, even though there have mm-hmm. been ideas like, you know, in ancient India, for example, like, if you were blind, you couldn't be king. Um, mm-hmm. you know, people like FDR, you know, who was paralyzed, you know, mm-hmm. obviously he, like, he did some good things for the country as well. So I, I'm not trying to insinuate anything against like disabilities or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that was a bad question. I'm really, mm-hmm. I, yeah. like, I don't understand. Uh, I don't know anything really about chakra and about these zones. I know, like, I've read kind of the, th- I've seen like some diagrams of like the three intersecting zones and like, mm-hmm. Uh, I guess a better question would be do you think that mastering this or even if not mastering this but do you think that implementing some of this stuff like getting better at moving the energy appropriately through your body do you think that that helps you do you think that can help like someone who's in a leadership position Mm -hmm. navigate the stresses of that better absolutely absolutely um and this is and and it's it's because of uh a practice called qigong it's like it's what came out of the dao it's like what like masters of the dao have figured out like how to use the energy within their body so efficiently it's fucking ridiculous it's like the ancient people that had i mean they have no, nothing to do all they had to do was like sit outside and just talk about themselves and their own experiences right yeah they've mastered the shit out of ourselves like if you want to talk about like how to be human it's like it's been mastered it's been done it's been said mm-hmm. and done it's like um people like when i was uh when i was like deciding like whether i should do a book or a podcast and i was doing research on like um, nonfiction, how to write a nonfiction spirituality book. Um, a lot of like all the information that I found was just like spirit, spirituality has been figured out. It's like it's 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 a lesson that's been expressed through humanity time and time again throughout time. It's why you would want to like write a book like that is because you always want to share your own perspective because you might say it in a way that that hits different to other people. You know what I mean? It might it might resonate Absolutely. with other people differently. It's like maybe you can clarify something where it's, it may not have been so clear to others. It's like, you still want to have your opportunity to ex- like share what you understand about spirituality, even though everything's already been pretty much figured out. You know? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I had a very brief discussion on LinkedIn with one of my friends the other day about that. Uh, Cause I have kind of like a brief background where in the evangelical church and um you know, the more I studied the Bible, like, especially looking back at what I studied, like I understand Mm -hmm. what I studied in the Bible differently after having gone through philosophy, you know, the same Mm -hmm. sort of, and especially like the concept of like death meditation, like basically befriending death. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was not able to appropriately like, confront my death and befriend death as like a natural force mm. until I encountered the Epicureans and the Stoics. Mm. Uh, and after that, then now I'm able to look and see the same idea, 
of like being born again, uh, mm -hmm. yep. not being afraid of death. You know, I see it like laid out very obviously, especially in the New Testament of the Bible. But mm -hmm. because of how it was presented, I could not understand it in the Bible. Yeah. And not mm -hmm. even just, yep. it's not even the fault of the text. It was yeah. where it's I was just... in my life. Yep, exactly. Who I mm -hmm. was around. Yep. How it was being expressed to me. And mm -hmm. also even perhaps the translation of the text that I was reading. So there's yep. so many factors uh, in communication. We call this interference. Mm -hmm. where the message that you send out by the time it reaches whoever you're sending it to is completely different because of all <laughs> these factors that we call interference and, yeah, yeah. Uh, which are experiential basically uh, mm -hmm. their experience filters the message into something sometimes completely different than you intended absolutely <laughs> you know it's, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because i tweeted something out yesterday i forgot exactly what it was it was it was just saying like Oh, let me see if I can find it really quick. Uh, it'll be, let me see. Uh, oh, I was saying, oh, spirituality, metaphysics, topo, religion, occult. The deeper you go into mind stuff, like the more nonsensical it becomes. Um, and this dude, this dude commented on it. Um, and he kind of, he kind of didn't, interpret it the way i kind of wanted it to be expressed you know what i mean right I was like uh like you you kind of get it but it's actually like i was actually more aiming more towards this like it like like this perspective but when he responded back i could tell like i knew what he was trying to say but it wasn't the point that i was trying to get across which is mm -hmm. like you know i guess what you were talking about like interference and like you know how i can say a message but like everyone can interpret it completely differently than I, the way i intended it to so yeah, yeah. It's, it's all a level of awareness. It's all down to like how, like where you are in life, how much you understand of life, and like whether that specific like message resonates with what you're experiencing in life, right? If it doesn't, if it doesn't resonate with something that you've experienced in life, then it's just what, uh, whatever, right? Yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't possibly understand what you can't understand. That just mm -hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, like exactly. you can't yeah, understand true. what you can't understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny that you mentioned that that tweet. Like, I had a pretty much the exact same realization re recently. Like, I think the more that we try to to describe what's true, the further we get from truth, which mm -hmm. I think it is kind of like expressed in the beginning of the Tao Te Ching, right? The uh, um, the Tao that can be described is not the true Tao. Oh, that is not the true Tao. Yeah, it's um. Because uh, one one concept about um, God under every single religion there is, you have to understand there's there's an aspect, even if you talk about the mind, like the, the subconscious and the conscious mind, there's going to be an aspect of life that we will never, ever, ever be able to comprehend just because of our human limitations, right? It's like we can think our way into oblivion, into the universe, into whatever, and, and make sense of so many things but we will never truly be able to find whatever that God is. We will never be able to like truly explain what the fuck that, what, like, you know what I mean? The bigger picture is. We'll never have that bigger picture uh, as, as much as we want to study it and like try to get, you know, try to like understand it as much as we can. There's always going to be that, that some, that factor that we'll never be able to like truly comprehend. And that's what I'm pretty sure what the, the dad was trying to say was like, 
you can call it the DAO. You can call this thing that's like infinite intelligence, something that we can't comprehend, the DAO. But that's not what it is. It's only it's only the DAO because we we named it that. We call it that. It's like a, a book is only a book because we call it a book. You know what I mean? It's like we give these things names, but they're not. But it it's just what it is. It's it's not intrinsically anything. If that makes sense. It does make sense. It's it's similar to the concept of the logos from. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Stoics and from you know, some of the other older think, you know, even pre pre Socratic thinkers, um, but that yeah. same kind of undefinable divine logic that makes everything happen. But then, like I think, so much of how we approach the world, especially like so much of logic, mm-hmm. I think, requires language. And I think that's the fundamental limitation of the logical approach to life. Because you know, mm-hmm. I've been on very much on both sides of this now. Because you know, I grew up basically not religious. I grew mm-hmm. up exposed to religion, but I didn't believe any. I kind of didn't. I wasn't interested in making a choice. So I was more agnostic. Then I right, swung right. all the way into like evangelical Christianity. And then I swung all the way into atheism. But, you know, the more I kind of gravitated back towards the middle, you know, the middle way, essentially, that mm-hmm. the middle of the pendulum swing, you know, expressed in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But, yeah, I think that I think that language is limiting in what it can express about truth. And that's where I spent like when you kind of mm-hmm. brought more to my attention uh, the importance Mm -hmm. of the emotional experience of life Uh, absolutely i don't think emotions in their fullness can be described with words Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's tough um it's it's not that we can't describe them with words it's like uh if when you let's say let's say you're feeling a lot of gratitude i I saw your post like uh gratitude's not a feeling it's a decision uh, <laughs> I would have to say um, gratitude is something that you could feel for sure. Um, it's 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 like uh, it's a feeling in the moment where you just truly appreciate, like when you truly appreciate uh, what's in front of you. If you truly appreciate about life, what you have, um, and that and that all uh, comes from like our, our heart center. I'm not sure if uh, you can see, it, but like uh, even even in the Taoism. Uh, in, in, in multiple like, uh, religions, even Catholicism, the burning heart, um, the heart is it's so important. I, I, it's, how could I even explain? Um, you can you can describe you can describe these feelings. It's like happiness. Oh, I feel a warmth in my in my chest. Um, sadness. I feel warmth, like you know heaviness in my lungs, or like you know warm. I feel my my chest getting hot, like warmer. It's like that sadness. It's like, oh, fear, like, oh, my, my kidneys are going off or some, something like that, right? Um, mm-hmm. in, in the Taoism, we, uh, my bad, I, I should have explained. In Taoism, every major organ uh, harbors either a virtue or an emotion. Um, so you can feel like uh, in the heart, you can feel uh, love, joy, happiness, um, gratitude, patience, um, just a, a lot of things that you can uh, express through your heart. Um, but there's also the negative side, the bad side, right? I mean, I don't want to say bad, but like, in order to balance out the good, 
there's going to manifest some bad, right? So in your heart, it can also express like impatience, hatred, mm -hmm. cruelty to others. Um, and these, and these are all emotions that, uh, you know, Eastern religions have found comes from the heart um, and expresses its, uh, itself through the heart. Um, and there's a whole bunch. And I mean, this is, this is going to be uh, in my first newsletter actually is how um, everything that you truly believe in, in your heart is what's going to be expressed by your, by you. And it's, it's going to be, uh, what actions you take, uh, what decisions you make throughout life. It's all what you truly believe about, uh, truly believe in, in your heart, if that makes sense. And it's very metaphysical. It's very like woo woo right now, but I break it down in my newsletter, uh, when that comes out. So, yeah, no, I, I like that you mentioned that. Uh, it's funny. The first newsletter that I have scheduled for next Tuesday actually mm -hmm. kind of touches on that stuff too. Um, like nice. if, if your beliefs don't cause you to take action, then do you actually believe those beliefs is kind of the question exactly. that I pose. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's mentioning the heart. I don't go into mm -hmm. that at all because that's like what I have the least experience with is kind of the mm -hmm. physical manifest, like the physical relationship to the, to the spiritual body. That's what mm -hmm. I have the least yeah. understanding about. Um, but okay. the Egyptians thought that the heart was like the center of being. They actually mm -hmm. they would they would they threw the brain away when they mummified people. They didn't think it was yeah. important, uh, yeah. and they thought the heart was like the center of of being. And mm -hmm. interestingly enough, so did the very earliest Stoics, like Zeno. He thought mm -hmm. that your that your heart was basically like your brain. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's just it's interesting, uh, but yeah, that's where I I think there is something to that that idea of like kind of that physical intersection with spirituality and with emotional you know that that intersection of all those different kinds of bodies mm -hmm. uh, yep yep and that, like that's part of what i wanted to talk about today so i'm glad you are like really diving into it because mm -hmm. yeah for example one one question i wanted to ask you is that like this has been like ever since i was a kid like i i'm not good at lying i don't like to do it and when mm -hmm. I, whenever I did do it, like even even today, like if I do like tell a lie about something, which is pretty rare these days, uh, I mm -hmm. get sick. But I mean, I would throw up like if I was a kid <laughs> yeah. and I tried to yeah, lie yeah. about something, I would I would yeah. literally throw up. <laughs> Your guilt like, was I mean, eating you alive, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would get such a stomach ache and. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm like really excited about something or like really feeling in love, you know, it, it really is like a feeling of like, like lightness in your chest or almost like yeah. wings sprouting yeah. from my soul or something, you know, but mm -hmm. it's like, I, that's where I feel it, you know, the centralization yeah, yeah, yeah. there. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. so I don't really have like a great question there, but you think you can mm -hmm. kind of piggyback off of that and yeah do you oh uh, yeah if you, if you want me to explain like um oh what, what, what's what's the best way to put this um i guess what, what what part would you like me to explain the most would you like me like 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 lying lying has made you feel guilty and then you felt that guilt inside of yourself to the point where your stomach was hurting something like that uh, or let's like... start let's start with an overview let's start mm -hmm. with as best as you can do you, what do you think would be better? Do you think that it would be better to explain like, like chakras? Is that like a thing 
like where they yeah, are? Or do you think it would be better to explain like where different emotions manifest in the body? Oh, oh, okay. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we can I'm definitely down to go down that route. Um so there are two different concepts. Uh the chakras is actually very like Indian centric, right. like Indocentric, like uh religion based, um, which has a lot of merit to it. You are gonna feel uh energies in the in the primary energy zones of the of the chakras. Um, but the Taoists have a, a bit of a different view of it, of, of the chakra system. Um, I actually have a whiteboard. I can't, I, I can't, yeah, so bro. like, uh, maybe if I could just like, um, write a few things down so you guys have like something like, visual to, to follow along as well. Um, so we have five major organs. Let me, organs. So we have our, the heart, we have the the stomach, spleen, and pancreas, which is like spleen, pancreas, pancreas. Uh, then we have uh, lungs. We have our kidneys, and then we have our liver. So this is this is uh, I don't even know if you guys can read that. That's yeah, probably not. That. You can read. Okay, so we have five major organs in our body. People can be like, "Oh, well, you have your skin. Your skin is large. What about right. the X, Y, Z? What about this organ? What about that organ?" There, I mean, but primarily there are five major organs, and this is and this is old Taoism, by the way. Um, so what they found is that the heart, and, and this and this can relate to like uh, what you were saying earlier. The heart in Taoism, they call it the emperor. It's like one. Uh, it's the it's it's always on. It's never gonna you know unless until your heart stops pumping you know uh, then then you're dead right? right. So the heart is the heart they consider the the red emperor. They they associate the the heart with the color red, and then uh, red, and then uh, basically without the heart no uh, none of the other organs can live. No other organs can survive. So the heart is actually also um, the center of your body that actually like. Uh, uh, what's the word for it? It radiates out. It's the one. It's the one energy in your organs that will actually like radiate out. It's strongest. It's also the strongest uh, organ in your body. In that, the energy within the heart, the loving energy, can multiply far, far greater than any of the other the other organs. It's like you can you can uh, love and hatred within your heart can expand to like ridiculous. Like when I say like like if okay, how can I explain this? If your liver can produce like five units, okay, five units of whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. If your liver can produce five units, your heart can produce units of like up to the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, if not billions. It's like your heart can multiply energy a, a stupid amount of amount of times. Um, and obviously that that relates more the more you get into like Qigong or like Taoism and stuff like that. But the heart is easily the, the one energy center within ourselves that is just like the strongest, the, the one that like to beam out ridiculously. Um, but like I said, positively you'll find emotions like uh, love, joy, happiness. Negatively, cruelty, impatience, you know, hatred. Then uh, we can go into like the spleen, pancreas area, and I'll stand up for this just because so I can like uh, hope you guys visualize. So it's in like your bottom left area right here, right? Is your spleen and pancreas. Um, positive, positive attributes of a, of a healthy uh, spleen and pancreas is like our virtues of like acceptance, 
uh, virtues of like um, uh, how, how, how would I like explain this? Or like judge, like the opposite might be like judgment. Judge, that, exactly. No, that's yeah. that's exactly it. Acceptance, judgment, uh, uh, and it's an openness, and ex- uh, just an openness, a feeling of openness, right? Um, negative associations with the stomach and the, the spleen pancreas. If you do feel a lot of energy coming from that side of your body, like lower left side, is worry, is anxiety. So it's like if you start feeling the lower left side of your body, like and you're very conscious of it, you know, you're going inside yourself. You're like, oh man, you know, my lower left hand side is like, you know, acting up. It's feeling really uncomfortable. Um, that is where like worry and anxiety would stem from from those organs, right? Until you clean them out. Um, then we're followed by the lungs, uh, in, in the lungs, uh, negative emotions are like sadness, depression. Like if you've ever seen anybody cry, like, <laughs> stuff like that, they have the short breaths. It's, it's all in the lungs, right? Yeah. Uh, and positive virtues. If you have a very healthy set of lungs, if you're always spending positive energy within your lungs, then you're going to have attributes of like courage of like, uh, Courage is pretty much the main one. Being able to look somebody in the eye and being like, you know, you know, hey, let's, I'm here. Like, what's up? You know what I mean? It's like being able to go past whatever barriers you have is if you have a nice, healthy pair of lungs. Um, Follow that, uh, we have our kidneys, which is actually behind ourselves, like in the the lower back right here. Uh, Kidneys, uh, negative emotions, I'll start with that. Uh, this, this is actually where you'll start feeling fears, uh, uh, feelings of fear, of trauma, past trauma that's ever come out into your life. Um, things that really like can really cripple you. Really like, oh my gosh, like I don't, want, I can't do that. No, 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 no. You'll start feeling like a sensation within, like it, it'll come out of your kidneys or like at least your lo- the lower half of your body is where your like absolute fear will come from. Um, and then positively, positively charged, assuming that your kidneys are healthy and, and you're you're spending positive energy within your kidneys, it's going to uh, actually have more essence of like calm and gentleness. It's like, there's nothing to fear. You're calm. We're here. Like, what's up? You know, it's just a very, uh, it's like peacefulness. So if you spend good energy into your kidneys, you're going to have a lot of peacefulness, gentleness, calmness. If uh, if your kidneys are really fucked up, um, you're probably living in a lot, a lot of fear, uh, stressed out states, um, maybe a lot of trauma keeps coming back into your head and replays over and over again. Um, and then finally, I mean, this all it's all circle, but finally it comes down to the liver uh, before we go back to heart. And the liver, uh, negative emotions is uh, anger. So if you ever like, if you ever get pissed off, if you ever just like raw raw rage, um, you can. It's 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 weird. Uh, because you, you can start feeling anger anywhere within like the lower half of your body. But uh, if, if your liver is in a bad state, that's why you, when you see like angry drunks or stuff like that, uh, it's just a lot of uh, bad energy in the liver. If you clean out your liver, um, it actually exudes virtues such as like kindness, generosity, uh, you know, towards others and stuff like that. And perhaps even towards yourself. That's actually. Um... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Towards yourself. Yeah. Because, I mean, I used to be an alcoholic, and mm-hmm. I even notice now, like, if I slide, like, I still drink, but not to excess. Like, I don't drink every day anymore, mm-hmm. and when I do, like, I do not like to get drunk at all anymore. I just mm-hmm. don't really enjoy it. It happens occasionally where I get, like, a little bit too tipsy, 
but I mm-hmm. haven't been like blackout or anything in like over two years now, which is great. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I found I have found every time I do like a, a whole sober month, you know, no, mm-hmm. no, no poisoning my liver. Mm-hmm. I feel better. I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. for I mean, for a lot of a lot of reasons. But like, I feel that, especially like talking about like kindness and stuff like that. Like, there's just, and I'm mm-hmm. kinder. I especially notice it, like, you know, from analyzing my own thoughts and being cognizant of how I I speak to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I speak to myself with so much more kindness, and I am full of so much more hope. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Like if I i'm not drinking and it really makes me like i really enjoy like not drinking in a way that i didn't before like after having noticed those things and Mm -hmm. this is just something that i i never would have noticed this you know if i had never had alcohol in the first place i don't think Mm -hmm. yeah Um, yeah oh for sure it is interesting because there are i mean there are cultures that do forbid alcohol you know, Islam is like a big mm. one, but so did the Aztecs actually. Oh, interesting. They, they, it was a, it was a, didn't like, it was an offense punishable by death. Although they loved mushrooms, they loved <laughs> psilocybin. But yeah, nice. they, yeah, like if you were caught drinking alcohol, like you could be put to death. Uh, yeah. And so I, I find that pretty fascinating. And Nietzsche was also pretty opposed to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I feel like alcohol is very much as far as substances go. I feel like it's one of one of the most grounding, uh, or perhaps like even lower lowest vibrational substances. I don't really. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I could be wrong about all of this. I mean, I'm really mm-hmm. talking out of my ass right now, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that's so kind good. of there's like some interesting kind of overlaps there. Does Taoism say mm-hmm. anything about alcohol? Um. No, not in particularly. There, it's always just um, moderation. Don't overdo anything. You know what right. I mean? It's like um, if you if you drink, you're gonna drink. If you don't drink, you're not gonna drink. They they don't really set like hard ground rules. Obviously, like no Dallas is gonna go out like drink absurd amount of alcohol or even go out for like a drink or whatever. Like that's not their first choice. Right. Um, but uh, but if if they happen to like if they decide one day wake up go to a bar like hey let's let's hang out let's have a, like a couple of drinks I'm pretty sure they I mean they they know how it affects their body right you know what I mean right so they'll they'll be their own decider of how they want to consume if they're like oh no I know that it affects my liver negatively or I know that it's not very good for you uh they I mean Dallas they call they call all these minor poisons they're all like they'll kill you slowly type of deal right and they know that so if they know that they can make whatever decision they want after that right yeah that makes sense and i mean i have found that by not by not attaching shame to stuff like you know to stuff like really anything that i like want to to consume moderately by taking Mm -hmm. shame out of the equation it's so much easier to control my consumption of kind of any anything i mean whether it's uh even like scrolling on social media like if i am not happy with how much i'm scrolling on social media and then i'm beating myself up for it i'm not happy with sleeping in and i beat myself up for it like mm-hmm. if i if i allow shame to enter the equation there it's so much harder to over like to change my habits 
then if I'm mm-hmm. just like, I would probably, then if I'm just honest with myself and I'm like, I'd probably enjoy my life a little bit more if I did this a little bit less. And mm-hmm. it, so, so to that, um, to that, I would say, and this is, and this is something new that I picked up, um, and mostly like neuroscience was this guy was like, you have to, in, in the moment of things, you have to be able to prioritize your future self in light of your your present self mm-hmm. so in the moment you might be like damn like i just want to scroll social media just like five more minutes or like 10 more minutes or or i want to watch like you know six more youtube videos or whatever it is mm-hmm. like and then and then you think about your goal and you're like ah oh, man i i should be doing this i should be doing that it's like if, if you're able to be like wait no what would my future self want? What would, my, what would like instead of me instead of me sitting here right now? Because me me right now wants to watch you binge YouTube for like the next three hours. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, but if if you're able to discern like, oh, that's just what I want now. It's like, what what would I want if it was like five years in the future? Oh, I would want you know my goals done. I would want to be working on an X Y Z. Right. So, um, being able to prioritize your future self from your present self, um, and, and being like conscious of that. Just being like, oh man, um, right now I want, I want this. I want like junk food, whatever. I want mm-hmm. whatever. It's like, well, I know that in the future that I'm gonna run better, not on, not on this junk food. So it's just a little bit easier to like let it go, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I talked about it briefly with you last time. Like this, I, this idea that I've kind of been coming up with of like the time body like the same way that in three-dimensional space i have i am over here Mm -hmm. and i also am over here right now because my arms are spread i think that our time body is kind of like that like Mm -hmm. if this is the past and this is the future i am over here and over here all at once and so Mm -hmm. like what you're what you just kind of mentioned is like if you are too in love with your present self, I think that's where like defeating, like, like defeating habits, uh, mm-hmm. like short-term dopamine, like short-term pleasures and stuff like that. I think that's where they become really great temptations. If you are too in love with your present mm-hmm. self and you're too in love with your present experiences. And so when you start to show Absolutely. love for the entirety of your body, you know, it's it's like only doing leg day or like, or never doing leg day, which is probably the more common thing. It's like, yeah. <laughs> or like only doing push ups, and then people slowly kind of become like apes. You know, because, <laughs> yeah. because the front of their body is so tense and their back never gets worked. And right, I'd right. say, I guess it's kind of like that. Like, if you are too invested in the present and too invested in, you know, like, I got to have all this happiness and joy right now. Um, mm-hmm. then yeah you you neglect that future self and so yep, perhaps the best way to craft those habits is to essentially look at it as i am loving myself by doing this i am loving my future self like and so then mm-hmm. you get to experience the that's my theory is that when you turn it into an act of love that's still like for yourself like mm-hmm. when you when you recognize that like that future me that is me mm-hmm then yeah, you, yeah, exactly. I feel like I get the same and even perhaps even more joy from then like taking on the, the new challenges, like phasing yeah. out bad habits and stuff like that, because that it's not like, Oh, I'm doing this so that I can probably have some joy later. No, it's mm-hmm. like by yeah. doing this, I'm actually experiencing the joy 
of the success that this is going to bring me right now. Like I'm feeling exactly. that joy and celebration yeah. like right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're bringing, you're bringing the past and, or the future into the present. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. I, uh, my words, I don't think are quite describing it very well, but I think you're picking up what I'm putting down there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a. Uh, yeah, the more the more you prioritize your future self, it's like you're putting it's it's like what would your future self be doing to get to where you want to go? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you have no goals, if you have no aspirations, and you're just if you're binge watching YouTube for like six hours a day or whatever, some ridiculous, then um, then it doesn't matter because you have no goals, you have no aspirations. But assuming that you want to become a better ver- version of yourself, assuming that you want more out of your life, then you would have to think like, oh, would my future self like? would I rather be scrolling social media for, you know, for, for another two hours or would I rather be, you know, putting some like work into, into writing whatever I'm working on, you know, or working on whatever I want to work on that'll help me be who I want in the future. If that, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And I mean, I find, I find <laughs> that when I do break through that resistance that, cause I mean, there's, there's like a, like a dopamine inertia of, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially if I'm like, if I am engaged in an activity that's not helpful, which I don't think it's bad. Like, I don't think that it's bad to like just sit around and read for pleasure or to like relax mm-hmm. and like watch YouTube videos or to mm-hmm. like play video games or whatever. I don't like, I don't think that's bad. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's all like, balance is what's important. Uh, but yeah, I do find particularly when I'm feeling like a lot of resistance I find that I actually get a lot of pleasure from breaking through that resistance and doing the shit anyway. This especially mm-hmm. comes to like, it's been a little bit chilly recently. And so mm-hmm. like, I was like, ah, I don't want to go for a walk this morning. Uh, <laughs> but then once I just go do it, I'm like, yeah, I'm fuck. Yeah. I'm really glad I did this. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's weird, but I know, I know exactly what you mean. It's just like <laughs> when you finally force yourself to do something and then you get into the flow of things and you're like, yo, this feels fucking amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And the same thing happens to me when I'm writing, like, cause writing is very challenging. And mm-hmm. especially for me, like writing this fiction has been very challenging and I don't oh, yeah. always want to do it. And mm-hmm. I'm always glad that I did when I do. Right. Um, right. I'm always glad. It's, mm-hmm. but yeah, like that initial kind of resistance of like, ah, I don't want to fucking do this right now. I just <laughs> yeah. don't want to do it. Why do you think that happens? Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, that's, that's like a multi-factor thing. It's like one, as humans, we want to stay in our comfort zone. As humans, we want to stay doing what we normally do because, you know, we naturally find ourselves doing it you know what i mean um in order to like in order to break free of those habits in order to break free of like uh things that were so naturally ingrained to it in us things that are easy things that are like instant gratification just opening up a new youtube video and consuming it and like just being mindless and just not not actively using our minds it's it's obviously easier it's just like the do i want to be sitting down put like put my mental mental capacity to a hundred percent and fucking like do that for an hour it's like, it, that takes effort. You know what I mean? Clicking a YouTube video takes like a second, you know? And you don't have to put any sort of like mental energy or any, any of that into it. So it's um, it's mostly just habit development. Um, 
make like doing things that we don't normally do day to day every single day um it's it's definitely going to find some resistance one way or another until it until it is ingrained in us so like people like Danco or people that have found like great success they they're it's just repetition they just do the same thing boring things right. over and over and over again if if in like uh Chris, you you and i in like five years if we just keep writing every single day we're going to be in completely different positions you know it's like we're going to be in completely different places um if we just follow like a system through like a, a writing system it's like oh every day i'm going to write a thousand words every day i'm going to write 500 words every day i'm going to write 200 words it's like if we create a system like that um we're, we're bound to like one get used to it to the point where we won't have that resistance anymore. We'll be able to just sit down and just like put down our 200 words just because at that point, it's just our habits, who we are and what we've grown accustomed to. We wouldn't know what else to do. You know what I mean? Or we would have resistance doing other things than writing. Um, but that takes time, takes repetition, just doing the same things over and over again every day. Yeah, and so. I mean, it's kind of like, it's like water, like from a glacier suddenly melting and spilling over like it's mm-hmm. the per- it's the persistence of the flow that transforms it from a spill into a river like as it slowly right. carves a lane for itself it carves mm-hmm. out its own lane basically and mm-hmm. it, it's by being a river that it becomes a river <laughs> like yeah because <laughs> uh, i mean yeah, if, yeah. and it's yeah. those spills that create the river eventually right yeah uh, and actually, how you describe that, especially like sitting down, uh, that actually reminds me of a question I had earlier. Because uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned energy traveling along along the spine, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> with with how much time, like especially like modern Americans tend to mm-hmm. spend sitting down in offices and schools in front of the yeah. couch, do you think yeah. that's interrupting the the energy flow at all? Absolutely. Um, I mean, sitting down for any prolonged periods of time, it's, it's, you're, you're going to fuck up the energy, energy flow. It's like, we're sitting on like one of our uh, major pumps, which is like, which brings energy up and down our body. We, we, when we sit down, we're sitting on that pump. It's like yeah. we're constricting the pump. So the energy is not really flowing too much. Um, when, when I see like the modern mastery community talk about like, Oh, we go on walks every single day. Like we're going to go, you know, work out, you know, X amount of week, uh, days a week. We're going to go take, take a nice brisk walk every single day to clear our minds. Um, what they're actually doing is like, is moving their energy, is making sure that their energy in their, the, I mean, uh, in Taoism, they call it chi. It's just life force energy. Their energy is just moving. It's like, um, even, even shaking up and down doing this, you're, you're moving, you're, you're moving your body. That's getting your energy flowing. It's like, um, do we, do you have to go for a walk? No. If you, if you know, like exercises to like, move your move your energy from down uh, like up and down like uh your spine or just through your, throughout your body you don't need too much extraneous exercise um but if you don't know qigong if you don't know like how to like you know, manage your energy um then walking walking works you're getting your you're getting your energy flowing in your body and it's just uh definitely beneficial uh beneficial as opposed to like sitting on your pump and then all day and not really moving energy in your body yeah, that makes sense. Like walking might not be, it's not, it's certainly not the only thing and it might not even be the best thing, but if you don't have any other way to get your energy flowing, then it can be the thing. Yeah. Back when I was, uh, 
back when I was working a desk job and then even like when I've gone through periods where I'm like really more focused on freelancing and I spend a lot of time mm-hmm. sitting, I find that mm-hmm. I need to get up and walk more. Whereas now yeah. that I work in a grocery store three days a week and I'll, I'll walk 10 miles in a shift. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel quite as much of a need to like get up and, and to like move around as much during mm-hmm. like my other days. I still, I, I personally gain a lot from my daily morning walks um, mm-hmm. and I'll continue doing that. But something that I am really, especially recently finding that I need to do more of is stretching. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, I feel like that's kind of how like yoga originated was probably kind of, so can, I mean, I'm probably wrong mm-hmm. about that, but uh, mm-hmm. can no, no, energy right. like clump up in places? Like, can it get stuck? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> oh, great question. Because yes, absolutely, it can get stuck. Um, uh, most, if, I don't know if you noticed this, but most people, uh, because they don't do diaphragm breathing, you like, do you know what diaphragm breathing is? It's just like breathing with your stomach out. If you're breathing in, your stomach comes out. You breathe out, and your stomach goes in. It's like uh, most people don't breathe it's just it's just weird like breathe consciously enough to move like the lower mm-hmm. uh, end of your body where your sexual zone is or where the sexual uh energy is so when people when you breathe into your stomach like it's uh if, if you don't breathe like that di- use do diaphragm breathing or like breathe in that it moves your the lower half of your stomach uh it can it can get very uh congested not congested but like stuck it's like you'll feel lazy. You'll feel um, you'll feel like you have no energy. You're tired all the time. Um, you know, uh, people people who ejaculate way too much, they, they'll also have feelings of like, damn, I just want to go to sleep now. I want to take a nap. I want to you know do this. You know, they have no energy. It's like um, they ha- you have to be able to move your sexual energy, if if not throughout their body, then just just to breathe into your stomach. Like you have to be able to like activate that energy zone so that your body uh you know, can get everything you need, all the energy it needs. Um, it can also get stuck in the head. Like I, like I was explaining earlier, if you, if you spend all your time learning spirituality and like, you know, being inside of your head all day, all day, and then, uh, you know, all your energy is stuck inside of your head, you're gonna like, <laughs> you're gonna fry your shit. Out, you know what I mean? You're gonna fry your brain. You're gonna go crazy. You're gonna, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, energy can be stuck anywhere really. Um, as, as long as, uh, along the spine, our nervous system, par- uh, parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system, like, uh, yeah, I mean, energy can definitely be stuck if not taken care of, I suppose. Or if you don't get, or if you don't move in general, really, if you move in general, you'll be okay. If you're not moving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, um, I mean, God, there's so much. We're going to have to do more podcasts because uh, there's so much that like every time you go into any of this, I'm like full of questions and I can only ask one at a time. Um, (laughs) A quick like aside, I've noticed like this is my third like long format podcast that I've recorded Mm -hmm. this week. Yeah, thank you for having me, by the way. I know we're like an hour and a half in, but yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I know you were nervous about like time and stuff. Are you still are you good to keep going? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I have been noticing that because I mean, these have been like 
kind of transformative conversations for me. Like I'm learning mm-hmm. so much from these conversations, but okay. after I'm like fucking exhausted, bro. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot, bro. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it took me 10 years, it took me over 10 years to, to get this information. So yeah, yeah, it's a lot to, yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, even, you know, with, I had a conversation with my buddy earlier this week, I had a conversation with like a new friend I made on Twitter uh, the other day. And I find Ooh. like, like last night I worked my, I worked my regular job. You know, I mm-hmm. spent eight hours walking around a grocery store, lifting things, moving things, pushing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I wore my body out, uh, but I had more energy when I came home than I do after some of these like long, intense conversations or after I'm like wrestling with a particularly difficult text. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, and that's where I'm, I'm finding that in order to kind of manage my energy appropriately, I'm going to have to space these podcasts out a little bit more going forward, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. just for the sake of being able to, to do everything that I got to be able to do. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just been like exactly what you're talking about. Like, I feel like it's just with all that energy or blood or whatever, just getting, you know, being up there in my brain hole. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, maybe it's just not, I'm not sharing that energy with the rest of my body. And so then the rest of my body is almost, almost maybe gravitates more towards a state of being dead in like, for lack of better, for lack of a better way yeah. to put it. Um, yeah. but if, if energy is life and I'm, and I'm directing yes. most of it to one area of my body that perhaps mm-hmm. at those times, the rest of my body almost takes on the character of being dead. And I'd say like the flip side can be true. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about like the brain and engaging the brain. I'd say perhaps the opposite thing happens like for the, the people as, I mean, I work in a grocery store, you know, I work with the stereotype is not true across the board but it's definitely true for some of the people i work with like mm-hmm. they, they simply don't do a whole lot of thinking they just don't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah uh, bro. <laughs> i know exactly what you mean bro. <laughs> and i mean i work with some brilliant people too and mm-hmm. i have great conversations with them sometimes mm-hmm. and i work with a lot of people that just they don't fucking think and it makes like yeah and this is for a long time. I, w- I mean, I've been pretty liberal for most of my life. And for a long time, I was of the opinion that like everyone should have like total freedom and be like, have like have equal say in everything. Oh, uh, I think I know. Yeah. Okay. But what I've kind of been discovering, especially more recently, like having re-entered like the labor force now after mm-hmm. having like really studied a lot of this stuff and then coming in and spending more time around people who are more like I used to be mm-hmm. even back yeah. when I even back when I thought that like everyone should have more influence including myself now mm-hmm. I'm realizing yeah. that I should probably not have very much influence at all personally <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and then I and I certainly not you know, two years ago when I thought that I deserved it. And Mm -hmm. I'm starting to really discover, I'm not trying to like be insulting to anybody, but it's like, I think some people do, they just need to be led. They kind of, they're, and and it's not so much maybe that they need to just that some people really want to be told what to do. They don't want to make hard decisions. Uh, They don't want to think they, they just, 
either yeah. are not interested or cannot be interested. And again, I think it's just perhaps their energy is just not being channeled like the best way. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I would say, yeah, I would say, um, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a thousand, a trillion times more easier to be the animal human than it is to be the conscious human, if that makes sense. It's like um, leadership, being responsible for things, uh, having a say, having an influence, uh, it's, it's important. It's a good trait to have. And I, I feel like if, if you're able to develop that trait, you should, you should like, uh, you know, reach out for or like uh, strive for leadership, right? Um, but as as a human, it's just too easy to be the lazy person, the one that doesn't have to take blame for anything. Just give me a job, give me a paycheck, let me go home, let me watch a movie, go to sleep, wake up, and do the exact same thing. It's 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 much easier as as an animal, as you know, our humans as animals to do that than it is to achieve, than it is to grow bigger than ourselves, than it is to lead. It's like uh, leadership. I would, it's definitely not for, not for everybody. And it's definitely like, it, like I said, for the masses, I want to say like 70, 80%, maybe even more of the world just would rather live a, a simple life, would rather just like be oblivious, be naive, you know, ignorance, bliss, and just live life in their, in their stupor, you know what I mean? Until they, until they're like at their deathbed and they're just like, oh, what did I do with my life? You know? Um, but yeah, it's it's much much easier to be just the lazy employee than it is to be anyone like than it is to have goals much bigger than yourself. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the irony of that is that <laughs> a lot of managers are still like they're they're the same people that they were yeah. before they took on the like they are kind of in that animal world. lazy headspace. Like oh, even. Absolutely. And yeah, like they want it for the wrong reasons. Um, yeah. And that's where like for a while, for a few years now, I've kind of been more on the side of like, I'm not interested in, uh, in, you know, having, especially not like the corporate ladder or anything like that. You know, I'm not interested in any mm -hmm. sort of leadership roles or anything like that. Like I've sort of drifted away from that. Whereas that used to be like a huge ambition of mine. Like that was a major driving force, mostly in pursuit of validation. Mm, uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, whereas more recently I've been like, dude, I just want like, I, I feel the pull, you know, ha the stress now of having to make decisions for other people, give directions. And it's something mm -hmm. that just happens now because at my job, it's not like it's hard, but I mean, mm -hmm. I have a lot of experience now in inventory management and in leading teams. Uh, nice. I, I've done yeah. it a lot. And so now, but now that's not, that's not like my job description right now. Like I am like the lowest level. I'm a stock clerk. Like that's mm -hmm. what I'm there for. And yet still like I'm a, I'm a part-time employee and still people will come to me and ask me to make decisions about like oh who should be doing what like full-time nice. employees will yeah, ask me nice. like what should i be doing and Sweet, i didn't nice. ask for that like yeah that's part of the part of what drew me to go back into like working in a grocery store was that i wanted to kind of free up my creativity for roses from bones for writing mm -hmm. for podcasting for pursuing that other stuff and mm -hmm. yeah there's just i'm not it's just so interesting that um, 
yeah, now that I'm perhaps more qualified to lead, mm -hmm. now that I have yeah. a better grip on my emotions, uh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm less easily influenced by the silliness that happens inside my head uh, mm -hmm. yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> yep. Now I don't want the like i don't i'm not as interested in in leading or in in status and stuff like that and I, it's just mm. there's a certain irony to that and that was kind yeah. of a that was a splitting point between especially the epicureans and the stoics uh the epicureans <laughs> were like they were more interested in in living a happy life not yeah happiness yep happiness. yeah not total hedonism you know they they mm -hmm. don't advocate uh you know eating a bunch of sweets and you know, fucking bitches all the time and chasing money. They advocate a very, a simple life in which you enjoy the simplicity of your life to the fullness mm -hmm. that is possible, yep. which is really unlimited. And, you know, yeah. There's, yeah. there's unlimited enjoyment to be had in a glass of water. If you allow yourself to access <laughs> that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the Epicureans tended to, kind of stay out of politics they didn't want to get involved in politics they didn't want to get involved in the world really they lived in communes and hung yeah. out with, with their best friends and you know drank water and ate bread and talked about being happy Whatever. and yeah. uh, whereas the stoics yeah. were more like as people who have pushed ourselves to a, a different level it's our responsibility to aid those who have not. Um, mm. And okay, I don't yeah. necessarily I don't necessarily know which one is more correct. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's merits to both things. It's uh you know it's funny um because in actually in the Bible, uh, I'm so I'm a big fan of like Old Testament Bible. I'm not really a, I'm not a fan of the New Testament to be honest, the gospel, Jesus, whatever. But the Old Testament was full of fire, bro. Like like mm -hmm. I can pull like I can pull some like text from the Old Testament and be like, yo, like this, I've seen this theme throughout life. Like this is good. Um in Ecclesiastes, um, which is like one of the, the chapters in the Bible, uh, they talk about that. They're just like, look, like I was, it's, it's a story about this king. I forgot what his name was, but he's achieved everything his heart could possibly desire. He says, I, I did not hold back uh, anything that my heart desired. I, I went after it. I built it. Um, you know, I, I have slaves. I have as many women as I want. I have, you know, I can do whatever I want within the world. Like I have, I'm, I'm very wealthy, probably the richest man in the world. Um, he's just like, I've done everything. Like now, and uh, in Ecclesiastes, he's like, approaching the end of his life and he's like what did i do this for like what did i what did i really like achieve all of this like the, all the everything that i can see with the land like i have the biggest house i have the greatest friends i have you know anything that you could ever desire or like want for what the fuck was it all for if i'm just gonna die right that, that right was the, the big lesson in the in ecclesiastes and he was saying uh at the end of the day uh it is all pointless. At the end of the day, your human existence, human life is, uh, you won't, you, there, there is no meaning after death. There is no mm -hmm. reason that you did anything that you did in life once you're dead. He says, but because we have to live, but because we have to like continue experiencing this human experience, do what you enjoy doing. Like find joy in the work that you're doing. It's basically, he's basically saying like, you can have all these goals, um, but so long as you're living your life in a way that the processes that you've set for your life 
um, that you enjoy doing it. So let's say video games and mm-hmm. you don't really care about anything else in the world. You just want to play video games all day. Well, if you spend your days, you know, until you die, just playing video games and you truly enjoy it, then, I mean, there you go. You live your life. Like, that's cool. It's like, yeah. That's, that's, just no matter what you do, just make sure you like doing it. That's it. That's pretty much, um, that's pretty much the conclusion that I kind of came to as well. Like I was in kind of, I was in a pit of very deep despair when I first really started to leave the Christian tradition. And cause I was like, I had, I had bought into the idea of, of hell. And I was like, mm-hmm. if I turn my back on the gospel after having understood it, like I am condemning my eternal soul to hell. And <laughs> sure, I mean, this yeah. is, this is the headspace that I was in. I was terrified of mm. absolutely fucking terrified. Oh, but at the same I time, I knew that I, I didn't really believe what I was supposed to believe with that. And so, mm-hmm. and as I kind of followed that thread um, and I won't go into like my concept on hell here, but we can talk about it maybe in the future or maybe later on in oh, this podcast. Oh, I was going to say, do you want to bring, like, I could, I could talk about hell. If you want to talk about hell, but yeah. Yeah. We can maybe circle to that in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, for me, eventually through logical analysis, through kind of exploring some different perspectives, I, I did realize that like, everything is pointless. Like nothing matters. It's like Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, but for me, that was the most freeing fucking thing. I was like, (laughs) literally nothing matters. Yeah. And at the time I was working a job I hated, you know, and I was, you know, I had a lot of just dark thoughts in my mind that I was running from into the bottle, you know, and just Mm -hmm. no coping mechanisms because I mean, I hated myself at the time and like, yeah, because and because I was so disconnected from what I wanted, I didn't even know what I wanted. I was doing, yeah, and I had yeah. a conversation with a guy the other day where I was living my life according to what I thought other people wanted. When really, mm. I didn't even I didn't even know what other people wanted. It was these expectations <laughs> that I was projecting onto them. Imagine imagining that they were projecting it onto me. So it mm-hmm. was like. I was following a projection of a projection. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's so fucking illogical to live your life like that. But I mean, that's where my head was. That's how I was living. And so when I realized that literally nothing fucking matters, nothing. Yeah. I I was like, so I, I mean, I can do what I want. I can make my own meaning. I can live my life based pursuing what's important to me. And I can decide whatever the fuck that is. Mm-hmm. and so yeah. for me that that was so freeing and that's how i got into that's how i got into all this creative shit in the first place so for me i started with music because i was like i don't really know how to do anything else i can play guitar and sing so that's what cool. i started with started songwriting and stuff and songwriting is what led me into writing and writing mm-hmm. is what led me into like studying really going deeper into philosophy and mythology and stuff and what is what has led me to now being now doing this was pursuing that the creative part of mm-hmm. me as a yeah. creation. And I think what yeah. we talked about it last time we chatted was that idea of like being created in the image of a, of the creator. I don't think that means that God has balls. 
I think that means, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think that means that we are creative, just like whatever mm-hmm. create whatever divine logic created us or whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. divine mind we're in. And mm-hmm. so I think that means that if we are not directing that creative energy at something, it spoils, mm-hmm. it, it yeah. sours. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you, I think that's what, those? yeah, I think that is what hell is i think hell is something that you experience in your life like while you're living i think it's self-inflicted torture absolutely um so uh hell actually to to that point um and and that's and that's actually one of the main reasons why religion was created was because once you realize that nothing matters like okay you're gonna live you're gonna die nothing really freaking matters right um And that's and that's why religions really stress their their levels of morality and values. It's like uh, the origin of hell. It's like, um, and you can see this with like old old Buddhism, right? Because Buddhism also got a little of their influence from Hinduism, um, you know, which is the oldest religion in the world. And they have this concept called karma, right? Where it's uh, you. First of all, karma can only exist with two with two or more people, right? How you make another person feel will come back to you. Uh, we just don't know when. It's like an echo. Like you send an, an echo out into the world, right? Let's say, let's say you're talking to somebody and you're really making them feel like shit. Like you're just drilling into them. You're just like going, going in and be like, yo, you're, you're fucking stupid. Da, 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 da. And, um, you know, you're, you're going at them to the point where they're starting. They start to feel it inside themselves. Like, oh, like this is not good energy. Like you're just throwing like bad energy at me, whatever. And um, it's like whatever you however you make other people feel will come back to you and that's been like that's been in code for uh i mean since the oldest religions you know what i mean mm-hmm. so they're saying like yes nothing matters yes you can do whatever the fuck you want but if you do end up stealing from another person if you do end up killing another person if you do end up like making another person feel terrible if you make another person or even or the opposite you make someone feel amazing you give them amazing gifts or whatever um that will come. That all comes back. There's some yeah. echo in the universe that it's it's super difficult to explain, but you see it in real life like all the time. Is that you see one person like causing uh, distress to another person, and that distress is, gonna, is karmically going to come back to that person. Um, it's just uh, and and th- and that's that stops like uh, oh nothing really matters, so let's just shoot and kill and rob everybody right. and rape everybody. It's like yeah, nothing really matters, but we should also live by, like, a level of morality and values so that we can grow together and not, like, you know, not sep- be so separate and, uh, I want to say divisive, but it's not divisive. It's, like, um, uh, yeah, just, just causing division with other, with other people, right? We want to we try to stay a unit as much as possible uh, or as much, as much as we can, and that's only going to be done through positive moral values as opposed to, like, you know, nothing exists. So who gives a fuck? Ideology. Right. Yeah. And I think um, trying to figure out like what is right and proper is kind of where things get difficult. But yeah, I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I think, I think you can start with basically the idea of don't do anything to anyone that you don't want them to do to you. That's like a exactly. pretty great, simple starting point. Um, yep. And then it's, I, I like that we're having this discussion about karma because actually I was thinking about this yesterday while I was pulling frozen peas to the front of the shelf. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I talked about like 
having like a four dimensional time body, basically like we're over here, mm-hmm. we're over here. I think the fifth dimension, and this is all going to be like weird as fuck, but just bear with me. I think the sure, fifth sure. dimension is potential or possibility or imagination. You know, you can call it mm-hmm. one of one of those three things or all three things, but I think mm-hmm. so your four dimensional body is everything you have been and everything that you will be and everything that you are right now. And I think your mm-hmm. five dimensional body is everything that you could be, everything that you could become, everything mm-hmm. that you could have been had things mm-hmm. been slightly different. And so that's where I think like I think that your five dimensional body is a body that is in all of those spaces at once. Again, the same mm-hmm. way that like I'm over here right now because my arm is over here and I'm over here because my arm is also over here. I think mm-hmm. maybe that five dimensional body is the same thing. Like I am the victim of everything that I've done to people, you know, in a way. And I am, yeah. And then, you know, when we tie yeah. this into kind of the oneness of everything that is expressed in like the Kabbalion and stuff like that. And my, uh, mm-hmm. my sculpture thing from that I published like two weeks ago of like mm-hmm. the, the marble that the sculptor sculpts with is mm-hmm. like part of a mountain and that mountain, you know, is part of the earth and like, and then you take yeah. that far enough, you take that far enough back and you start to realize that like the atoms that I'm made of literally at a physical level mm-hmm. were part of the same clump of stardust that the atoms that are in you were part of. And so yeah. like, it, mm-hmm. when, like when you take things far enough back, you can't deny the fact that everything is essentially just one thing uh, interacting yeah. with it, with itself. And yeah, so then, yeah, actually, yeah. When I connect yeah. that with my whole wacky idea of like the five dimensional time body, uh, and that's that's where I think you then get into perhaps other layers, where uh, that's that's where like this idea of like past lives and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that every life is your past life. And that's where I think things like karma come in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yep. it, if, if everything is one thing, then mm-hmm. every experience that's ever been had has, ha- has been had by that one thing. And if you yeah. are that one thing, then you've had ever ex- every experience that can be had by anything. So yeah. every, every life that has been lived is your past life. But again, mm-hmm. since we are, we are now, we are before and we are in the future, like our, our four dimensional and five dimensional bodies are in those spaces all at the same time. And the sixth mm-hmm. dimensional, I guess would be like the multiverse type deal, you know, being yeah. different people. Like, yeah. um, I guess everything that we're not, but we also are, um, mm-hmm. not only is every life that has been lived our past life, but every life that can possibly be lived in the future is also our past life. I, I see what you. I, I see what you mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. It's wacky. It's not well developed. I thought about it while I was yeah. moving frozen peas around yesterday. Mm-hmm. But uh, that you know that just puts more importance on like don't be a dick, <laughs> you know, because because <laughs> yeah. you are you're doing yeah. it to you to yourself. Yeah, you're doing it to yourself. Yeah, actually, as much as we don't as much as we don't see it. Yeah. Um, and that's a big part of like developing empathy and developing like, oh, you know that 
one, one, you have to recognize that the human experience is the same for everybody, which is, which is weird to say, because it's like, well, no, because we grew up differently and we think differently and, you know, our cultures are different and we, the way we act is different. That's true. But the, the mechanism that we're using, the brain, the organs, our, you know, our emotions, they're all the same. You know what I mean? It's like they may have gone through different experiences, our, 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 our like unique, you know, perspectives, our unique experiences, our unique, what, uh, you know, journey through life. Um, but if you have a level of empathy, if you are, if you're able to like go into another person's body and be like, oh yeah, I could have been that I could be that, or I am that it's like, we're all, we all have the same body and we are rather, we all have the same, um, you know, mechanism, like we're all humans. So we all have that similar shared experience, even though they may be different, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? If you understand what it means to be human, then you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes and be like, oh, I see. If I grew up in those exact same circumstances, you know, like I could them. be like that. You just like right. them exactly. There yeah. are uh, there are writers and speakers who kind of talk about this, about like relating to about the the goal is not to relate to like the Nazis or like despicable people, but to mm -hmm. understand that what drove them to become Nazis could. Mm -hmm have impacted you in the same way had you been them have been them exactly so exactly that's where it is so important to be vigilant against becoming that if you don't want to be a nazi it's mm -hmm. not simply a matter of saying i would never be a nazi and leaving it at that you actively yeah. have to live your life in a way mm -hmm. where you them. will not become that because yeah. if you truly allow yourself to understand what is possible you will recognize that all the worst things that a human can be you mm -hmm. could become if you're not vigilant yeah exactly exactly if you're not like aware of like where your morals and values lie and um you know it's like uh once you once you like uh, once you know where your morals and values are it's like when you're growing up you don't really think about morals values like oh gratitude right. expressing gratitude or like you know being uh you know being truthful stuff like that those are never things that you never really like, really think about sometimes you lie just because you want to lie mm -hmm. or like um it, it's a uh, my bad i just I, <laughs> I lost my train of thought there but uh it's it's when you, when you establish your morals and values or like as you get older and you don't compromise for your, for those morals and values. Um, I guess life is. What's what's the point I'm trying to make here? I want to say like life is easier to live, or like uh, it's easier to make decisions if you have a proper set of morals and values. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the way the mm -hmm. Stoics often express it is that virtue is its own reward, and vice is its own punishment. Uh, mm -hmm. And how that kind of expands is if you, I mean, if you're a dickhead, like the worst kind of, I mean, let's take, let's take Hitler, you know, Hitler mm -hmm. by pursuing the path that he pursued, he essentially built himself a cage. What he saw as like the ultimate freedom to have, have like as much power and influence over the world around him as po as he possibly could. Like he built a world in which he couldn't just turn to his kid and say, Hey, you want to, you want to go take a trip to the park yeah. and throw a ball around? Yeah. Like, and so essentially he creates 
by being such a piece of shit. You know, he created, <laughs> he cut himself off from the fullness of what can be experienced by simply not being an asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody has their own sets of beliefs, and it's like when your beliefs become so powerful that they influence an entire nation of people to do some atrocious, like evil things. It's like uh, you 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 stop coexisting. If that makes sense, you're like yeah. you're, you're so dead set on your yourself. You're so selfish in your own ideologies and your own beliefs that you're just like you're you've you've cut off any connection for like connection or like growth or infinite potentiality of like growing together you know what i mean it's like a self-inflicted solitary confinement it is yeah for sure and like that alone is really the only motivation that you need once you understand it Mm -hmm. to not do that like then on top of that it's like you understand like oh yeah and it's also really shitty to Mm -hmm. be shitty like i would not (laughs) want someone to do these things to me like that's a good way to that's a good way to motivate yourself not to do stuff but Mm -hmm. like if even that fails and that's where like because some people argue that like oh like karma isn't like a good motivating factor simply because i don't believe in it yeah and they're like so but for me i feel like it's a lot harder to shake the idea that essentially like the more that you cut yourself off from mm-hmm. the whole by being too individualistic and, and yeah. asserting what you want on other people, the more that you essentially create this isolated, torturous prison cell for yourself in which you can't grow, you can't flourish, you can't connect with others, you can't mm-hmm. be free. And even yeah. someone that's not evil, like Mark Zuckerberg, who yeah. is so worldly successful mm-hmm. that he also can't just turn to his kid and be like, hey, do you want to go to Disney? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, without drawing like massive attention. Yeah, or having to rent out the entire park. Exactly. Like he, he yeah. simply can't. He is so worldly successful that he can't do shit like that. And like that's yeah. still not freedom. Or like Kim Kardashian, who like got robbed and assaulted in Paris or whatever. You know, same mm-hmm. deal. You know, she people look at her and they're like, Oh, I want to be here. I want to be here. You know, it's, it might yeah. not be that great. Yeah. And, that, yeah, there's and that's where there's so many warnings in a lot of spirituality and even philosophy about like, don't get drawn in too much by like chasing success and stuff like that, yeah. because it really is not what it what is promised it's not as good as it looks no uh even people like highly successful they make millions of dollars they don't have to work a day in their life um and you ask them like oh so you must be happy then you get anything you want in your life you have all the money in the world that you can't spend in like 20 lifetimes like you must be fucking ecstatic you must be like you must be living the life people like that they're always saying like no i still get sad I'm so depressed. I'm still like, you know, it still sucks. Like, and now there's no meaning to life. Now there's nothing to work for. It's like, they, there's always going to be some sort of problems. Like the human experience is always going to present obstacles in front of you. It's, it's like, it's inescapable, unfortunately. Right. And that's where a lot of people basically advocate that, you know, a lot, it's spiritual teachers advocate <laughs> that the key to becoming happy is not trying to outrun obstacles. It's simply learning to, accept what you can't control 
mm-hmm. and to control yourself as best as you yeah. can. And, which, and that is that is simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're like, that's, that's the key to happiness. Just do what you can every day to get a little bit better at accepting mm-hmm. what you can't control and at controlling yourself. And, yeah. and over time, you will experience more joy. Yeah, I think, I don't, I think a, lot, a lot of part of life is like knowing one, uh, establishing what you want, just knowing what you want, just being very clear about what you want. And then uh, and then just taking the effort to see it through. You know what I mean? Like, not, not OK, not everybody's going to want to be rich. Not everyone's going to want to be famous. Not everybody wants to be, you know, uh, X, Y, Z. That's, you know, a CEO that's going to require him to, you know, put in a lot more effort and energy. To, to put into um it's just knowing what you want out of life knowing how what you how you envision your life to be it's like do you want to be in a mansion or would you be okay just living in a single family home you know with your wife and kids and just living out a, a happy life you know establishing what you want and then uh not eliminating what you want it's like there's there's a lot of like, especially Buddhism, but they're just like, eliminate your desires. You know, it's like, you don't, the ultimate goal is to not want anything. Uh, that's not a very fun way to live. Right. <laughs> Personally, um, it's, it's nice to have like some goals, some things that you want to strive towards and achieve and um, slowly realizing it, realizing it, you know what I mean? But it mostly, it mostly comes down to the individual and how they view, how they want to see their life. Right. So yeah i think uh just like with a lot of things it's balance i don't think that the Mm -hmm. total elimination of desire is necessarily helpful um it's if you want to be a buddhist monk in the mountains go ahead but it's just not the way i envision my life you know yeah yeah exactly um they don't see it that way and i think that's fine and that's good for them um Mm -hmm. but yeah i do think most people would benefit from restricting their desires a bit from kind of reeling in that desire mm. machine in their head. I think yeah. if, if people, I think if most people learned to be, which I think you probably already understand and agree with most of this, I would say mm. most people could stand to allow themselves to be happy with less to in, in order to yeah. simplify their lives. For um, sure. For sure. Because uh, then Mm-hmm. then there is less that has power over you uh, mm-hmm. because yeah. if you aren't attached to so much then there's not so much that can be taken away from you and so the forces that can take those things away from you don't have power over you mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah um what was it i was gonna say like uh whew. I, I had the thought and it just like completely disappeared from me. I was like, mm-hmm. it had to do something with like making a lot of money or, or oh yeah, yeah. Uh, once you once you reach like a thresh point of like wealth, right? Like you have plenty of money. It's like, uh, and you realize that materialistic things may not be like the most valuable things in your life. The uh, Most people that become like multimillionaires, like hundreds of millions, billions of dollars, um, if they do still like buy a a sports like a supercar every week or like they're still trying to get like the best house the best biggest mansion the most extravagant whatever um from what i've heard 
is that those type of individuals that make the multi-millions and still want materialistic things, they're the most insecure people um, yeah. that exist in the world. Um, because most people, when they make that much money, they don't want more things. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're going to get the things that they want um, when they want it and uh, that'll make their life more comfortable and easier to live. But in terms of like excess, in terms of like, oh, I want a big ass mansion to throw a thousand parties or whatever. That's a, that's a deep seated insecurity. And that's not really based in, you know. Whatever. Yeah, no, I- I totally, I think that makes sense. It's kind of. Okay, hello? Yeah. Okay, cool. My bad. My, one of my headphones was uh, running out of battery. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I think it's kind of like the principle of inflation. Like the more dollars there are in circulation, the less valuable they are. I'd say the same mm-hmm. thing comes to anything else in life. Like the more shit that you have, the less valuable any particular piece of shit is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah pretty much yeah. um yeah uh you know, just balance finding and, and that's what it always circles back to it's i guess we kind of started with talking about <laughs> about polarity you know balancing between polarities and uh yeah that that pull that tension between Mm -hmm. what you can control and what you can't control for me that's what i always end up coming back to is Mm -hmm. that tension between those same like masculine and feminine energies those same like dominant and submissive energies Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel that i find the most joy somewhere in the middle between asserting my will upon my surroundings mm-hmm. and accepting what my surroundings are putting onto me. Right. Exactly. Yep. Perfect. Because yeah. if you push too hard against something, mm-hmm. eventually it's going to hurt. Like if you're trying, <laughs> like if you're trying, if you're trying to push like, yeah, like yeah. lifting weights or you're like punching a wall like, yeah. to try to make it move, like you're going to fucking hurt yourself. And, and, and that- like, yeah, that's that's actually funny. Um, that's literally the concept of of Taoism and um and honestly Hinduism and Eastern religions is just like, it's called Wu Wei. Or in Taoism they call it Wu Wei, where it's just like action without action, and it's 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 pretty much saying like if you're pushing, if you're acting in the world where you're pushing against like the the flow of the universe so much that you're just asserting yourself into this, like you're running yourself into the wall, um, then it's gonna be like it's going to be very difficult for you. It's like when you're asserting yourself way too much, when you're pushing your, like you're, you're, you're acting overly acting um, to achieve, to achieve something instead of just letting it happen naturally um, uh, through time, then you're going against the grain of the universe. You're going against the grain of life. You're going, and, and you're going to come into a lot more problems than if you just like patiently saw it through. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think of it, and I love the way that Lao Tzu uses like water mm-hmm. when he's describing things. It, it might not even be, I don't know enough about, I haven't read the text. I've only watched videos about Taoism so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I you knew the imagery of water. And so when I think about it, it's like you've got a river and then you've got a dam. 
And like, if that river is like rushing full of energy, you know, trying to push forward and then it counters this dam, mm. then what you've got is it's running up against this dam. It you know, runs up the dam, you know, flows mm. upward and then falls back on itself. And then the water's still coming. And so then it's yeah. just, it's, it's this roiling mess of chaos. And I think that's what happens when we are too forceful too mm-hmm. much trying to push against something that just is not meant to be and then yeah. that's and we invite that chaos into us you know that chaos yeah. that energy of like trying to push against that dam and trying to move that dam mm-hmm. turns what could be still water into complete and total chaos and the yep. thing about like roiling aggressive water that's full of rage like you can't see anything in it but then like mm-hmm. a pool of still, clear, motionless water, you can look in it and you can see yourself. You can mm-hmm. reflect. Yep. And that, I think, is what, especially in the, in the West, um, especially coming out, like we go through our schooling and stuff like that. And we're basically told to go out and like, make something of ourselves. And it's, it's this, mm-hmm. this push of like force and dominance and we're kind of trained to go forward and, and, and push and push. And mm-hmm. I think it prevents a lot of young people from getting that opportunity, that stillness in which they might reflect upon themselves. Yeah. And that's where I think things like meditation and journaling and even prayer can be so helpful because those mm-hmm those three things shine a light on your own thought. Like you, you stop fighting and instead you start observing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can shine a light upon your thoughts to, to finally discover like what's even in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was actually a lot of a beginning of my journey was just what the fuck is the mind? What the fuck is this like voice inside my head? And, like just trying to figure all that out was a journey and a half in itself to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah. So I got a couple more minutes here. Um, my last question for you, as far as like the content goes is, uh, mm-hmm. can you take a couple minutes and talk? Do you meditate? Uh, no. So Qigong is a form of meditation. Okay. Um, I, I will say I, I have tried a lot of different meditation techniques. Um, I've done transcendental meditation. I paid like $500 for that. <laughs> that right. stuff. It's like, um, uh, and it's weird. The experiences are, are totally different. Um, but I, I'm not a big fan of like sitting down for like 10, 15 minutes, closing my eyes and just focusing on my breath. If I'm honest, like, I know yeah. it's, it can be, it's helpful. It's helpful. Uh, and it could be, um, it's good to clear the mind. Um, but for me personally, uh, kind of, kind of a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. For me. I'd rather just do my Qigong exercises and then clean, clean my energy out and then just start my day type of deal. I feel pretty similar. I haven't really gotten into it. Um, there's one type of meditation that I do that I actually stole from the Wheel of Time series. Uh, mm-hmm. The author called it, I mean, he made it up, basically, or maybe he based it on something, but he called it like flame and void meditation. It's super mm-hmm. nerdy. But um, <laughs> yeah. like if I, and I especially use it if I'm like, in pain like physical pain most particularly or if i'm like angry or sad about something Mm -hmm. i envision like a void 
and I envision a, a flame, like a candle, basically. Uh, um, and, mm -hmm. and then I envision the thought that I'm having, mm -hmm. whether it's like, like the pain or whatever. Like I, mm -hmm. I, and I give it substance in my, in my mind. And then mm -hmm. I, I throw it in the fire. Mm, oh, I've heard of this, actually. I've actually, yeah, I've heard of this. Um, that, guided, visual, guided visualization is actually very powerful. Um, how you use guided visualization, um, in terms of, like, throwing, in throwing, throwing negative thoughts into the fire, like, let's say you have a very disturbing thought you don't really like anymore, it makes you sad, it makes you angry, it makes you whatever, um, or uncomfortable, whatever, and you just, like, you visualize tossing, like, first of all, putting a, giving it a symbol, like, so you have, like, whatever that feeling is inside of your head, um, putting it, giving it, like, a symbol or, like, a visualization, and then destroying it, mm -hmm. um, it's, it, it's, it's quite per uh, powerful, depending on how frequently you do it. Yeah, I use it more when I really want to stay focused on something, or mm -hmm. when, like, like, the timing is not right for me to, like, really explore, like, why I'm feeling this way, or, like, what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like, I, see, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say it's it's the best way because it's essentially like discarding emotions. And I don't think that's healthy. Um, mm -hmm. But if I'm like trying to do something or even just trying to fucking fall asleep, uh, mm -hmm. I really try to push, especially like anxiety or uh, pain and stuff like that out temporarily so that I can get some sleep or so that I can so I can finish what may be becoming a tense conversation uh without you know giving into anger or something and then i can maybe mm -hmm. unpack like unpack that anger mm -hmm. figure out like why did i get angry and stuff like that later mm -hmm. uh, but yeah that's some i don't even know if i can call that meditation i stole it from a fiction book but yeah that's the only <laughs> yeah, meditation yeah uh, yeah it's definitely a form of meditation just having a guided guided visualization it's uh yeah it's a thing so uh you said you do qigong yeah, Qigong. Yeah, mostly the exercises. Um, focusing is mostly on just the whole energy body and then just having the energy body flow within yourself. It's pretty sweet. Do you think you have time to describe that in like two or three minutes or no? Um, like, is it too much? We need to do another podcast? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm yeah, down for that. Yeah. I'm down for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, before it's a little, we wrap yeah, this up, too much to get into. Um, would you mind just sharing if there's anything like cool that you're working on, just share anything that you would like to share and then also tell people where they can find you. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so um, I'm currently creating a newsletter called the Chongism newsletter. It's a bit, a bit personally branded, um, but it's not a religion. It's not a cult. I'm just trying to like help uh, spread what I've learned uh, insights that I've learned about spirituality, the self, um, in hopes that other people can learn a little bit more about themselves, about why, the, why they are the way they are, um, how the world functions, stuff like that. Um, my, my Twitter handle is at Chongism underscore, because that Chongism was taken. Uh, and in terms of like sharing, uh, sharing, I don't want to release anything just yet, but the first newsletter should be done pretty soon. It's been a way too, it's taking way too long to write, but I'm, I'm feeling, um, the flow states have been pretty sweet to me lately. That's good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, man. cool. This has been great. We'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, Chris, thank you for thank you again for having me. Yeah, I really yeah, appreciate bro. it. Yep. Cool, cool. All right.